What's going on, Bengals fans? Welcome back to the Stride Pipes All Day Podcast. Blake Jude is joined alongside me, as always, is William James. Just finished watching the first preseason game of the year, Hall of Fame game, Raiders versus Jaguars. Did you enjoy it? You know what? I enjoy any football on my TV. Any football is good football, and any football is a good day. Um, so shout out to Samir White and Jared Stidham um, for, for performing good. But, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I had a great time. Starting my Zemir White campaign uh, today, uh, running back one for the Raiders. Just, just be ready for it. It's you coming. Don't believe that. Uh, I, no, I, I mean I, I do believe that it's going to happen eventually. Just give him time. I mean, if you want to trade from the dynasty league, go ahead and offer me them first round picks. <laughs> We're going to do a live dynasty <laughs> trade on the live podcast. Trade. All right, we should we should stick alongside the Bengals though. But it was we definitely a lot of fun to watch. Uh, definitely a lot of fun to watch. Of course, the first preseason game of the season. Cincinnati will be playing next week, August the eleventh. Uh, I believe August, I think it's August the 11th. August, I want to say that against the Arizona Cardinals in a uh, week one of preseason. So only a week away till we see the Bengals back in their stripes and uniforms getting got to go out there and play again. But until then, you know, we've had an entire week go by a lot of training camp news. A lot of results have came in as we always do. We start out with normally the injuries and transactions that have been made. No transactions made this week, even though there could be some, you know, coming eventually. We're not too sure. But there are quite a few injuries we're going to have to get to real quick. Um, first things first, we're going to start off, I think, with, I think, the um, the more regular ones that we kind of already know. Uh, Lyle Collins, who I mentioned last week, still on rehab, still, I think, is in position to come back week one. Um, and also on the physically unable to perform list, uh, defensive end Khalid Kareem, linebacker Joe Bocci, and free safety Brandon Wilson all are still not playing at the moment. A couple of new injuries that have kind of came in. Uh, Trey Flowers, of course, the defensive back. Um, just came back from the just came back to the field actually today as recording this after being out a couple of days due to a tweak, uh, I believe, in his leg. I'm not too sure. Um, cornerback Eli Apple also left Tuesday's practice after a leg injury as well. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later because I think there's a pretty important topic there. Uh, but the most important one, I think the most serious one, uh, is Drew Sample, who left practice on a cart after uh, after having a uh, really bad knee injury, it looks like. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but uh, he was definitely limping quite a bit on it, and uh, he was obviously carted off. So, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big hit to a couple of positions, but it looks like as a whole things are, are doing okay. But we'll start off the first conversation here about Drew Sample, who is, like I said last week, Still not really locked into like any real spot for the Bengals here. He's definitely the best blocking tight end they have, but a big blow to a guy with a lot of potential. Yeah, I think like you said, Drew Sample's whole thing is his blocking, right? We know that regardless of what you think about him in the receiving game, he's only a good blocker. Um, and, you know, looking at an injury to Sample, obviously, initial thought is, you know, besides the whole, you know, we hope he's okay. You know, getting caught at off, looking at both knees, something you really don't want to see. Especially of you know when you're tight ends, so you have a lot of battles going on as it is tight end spot. Um, but after you think about that, your, your initial thought is okay. Well, who's opening the door for? Him? Of course, we talked last episode about tight end three. You know, Mitchell Wilcox, James Washington, uh, Thaddeus Moss, of course, Justin Rigg, even. You know, we we talked about those guys and opens the door for one of them. Um, I'm not gonna make any assumptions on whether Sample can you know whether he's you know it's a serious injury, but it's not a serious injury because they haven't said anything as far as I'm concerned. Of course. I'm definitely not a doctor, um, but I think it's safe to assume that at least for the first preseason game, which again, like Blake said, it's about a week. Um, he'll probably, if 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 he even plays, it'll be very limited. Um, so I think you know you, you hope he's okay. You know, like Blake said, you know this is a big year for Sam. He's in a contract year. Um, he's a former second round pick. The receiving game, so there's a lot to be desired. Um, but he is out the, the best block in our organization, which. I don't know how much that says, but it, it's certainly something to, you know, consider. So you hope he's okay. Um, I think Sample could play a bigger part this year than most people like to admit due to his blocking. Um, so you just hope he's okay because if Sample's hurt, that could be kind of a sneakily big loss to the Bengals. Big loss is an interesting way to put it. I definitely think that, um, you know, it could definitely hurt. I'm not too sure how confident I am in the back end of the tight end room, obviously, but uh, I do think that – uh, Drew Sample is a guy that has still ha- has left a lot to be desired on the field right now. Mm-hmm. And this is a big key season, I think, for him as a player. Um, you know, we, we see him as a second round pick. Like, like you said last week, this guy is someone that still has a lot to prove and is probably not going to be cut yet because obviously the Bengals spent a very, very big pick on him. 
Um, but I do think that, you know, if they do not have a – if Sample doesn't have a very good season this year, this is a very good chance that he may be a cut candidate. Maybe he doesn't even get re-signed in the future. There's a good chance he's not a Bengal in the future. So I think this is a big development for him because he really, really needs to, so, to show um, some dire improvement. Um, you know, Hayden Hurst, who I think we're talking about here in a second as well, um, you know, is only on a one-year deal. So if he's gone next year and the Bengals end up not getting anyone else, Sample all of, all of a sudden becomes the feature tight end on this team the Bengals will definitely not let that happen if he's not performing well. So we'll have to see how well he's able to perform. If he's able to earn that maybe spot down the line, I doubt he will with the way it's looking right now. And of course, an injury does not help that, but big, I think key injury for sample to himself, because I, I really think this is a big year where he needs to fight and really earn a spot um, to be a regular recurring player on this team. Um, but, you know, to, to move uh, to move kind of segue a little bit into a different conversation here, we're going to stick on tight ends because there's a lot of different tight ends that we need to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about CJ Uzama first, who is no longer a Bengal, but I know you love CJ Uzama. We need to talk about it a little bit. We have to talk about this. There's, there's a lot to get off my chest. This has to be mentioned. This is going to be, I think, a big topic because this is definitely something that I know you're very passionate about. It's a touchy subject. It's very touchy. Yeah. Uzama had an interview a couple of days ago uh, that we need to discuss and does not look very good for the Bengals. Uh, he he kind of he had a lot of choice words, I think, for the organization, um, you know, kind of explained that he doesn't think the Bengals are going to re-sign Joe Burrow. They're, they're, he'd be shocked if that happens. Um, a, a lot of uh, <laughs> he's kind of comparing Zach Wilson into being the next Joe Burrow. A lot of you know interesting comments from a guy who was you know, what we considered, I think, the heart and soul of the team last year. So, uh, and like I said, I know you know a lot about this. What are your thoughts and uh, how disappointed are you? Because I know it kills me to see it. So before I get into any anything else, I just want to say anyone who's listened to this podcast since ever it started or has ever talked to me about the Bengals in a conversation about their offense knows how high I was and how much I value series on his ability to not only be a good locker room guy, but to play football and do it well. So for him to sit here, now C.J. Uzama has no idea who I am, but I must admit, I feel personally betrayed and personally attacked. So I'm pretty upset by all this. Um, but I'll do the football stuff. And when it comes to the football stuff, I, I'm not going to sit here and take the route of calling C.J. mid or anything like that for two reasons. One, because I don't have to. And uh, two, because that's on back on my takes. And I'm just not going to do that. Um, but I will say this, right, when it comes to C.J., no matter how directly or indirectly you think he compared Joe Burrow to Zach Wilson or how he compared the Jets and the Bengals, the team hears that, right? And the team takes a lot of pride in who they are as a team and, of course, in the quarterback too. And before I say what I'm about to say, I know Jets fans, if there's any listening to this, shout out to you for listening. Um, they're riding very high at the beginning of this last season. I understand you had a good draft. You know, you draft Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson first round, second round Brees Hall. Corey Davis coming back and bringing Quan Alexander. I get that, right? You, you know, you, you, the teams, you think teams are pretty good this season. I want to be very clear to Jets fans. You are not beating the Bengals again this season. I don't care about any given Sunday. It's not going to happen. You're not beating the Bengals this year. And guess what? When we roll into New York, well, you're not even in New York. We roll into New Jersey, into MetLife Stadium, wherever they play, and we give them a 20-point shellacking. And the next Joe Burrow, a.k.a. Zach Wilson, struggles – against the next, you know, against the actual Bengals. And just that scoreboard is a 20-point shellacking at the hands of the Bengals. And Joe Burrow's got 350 yards and three tutties. I want every Jets fan, every Jets coach, every teammate to look right at CJ because a shellacking to that degree could have been stopped if CJ kept his mouth shut. But he chose not to. He chose to compare the Jets and the Bengals, to compare Zach Wilson and – um. And Joe Burrow talked down the front office about how oh, they won't re-sign Joe Burrow. And he and he betrayed me. He he betrayed yours truly. I, I just can't believe it. So when we sit here and roll into your building and smack you around a little bit, more than we probably should have, it's CJ's fault. So I'm I'm just a mess. I can't believe CJ said all this. And and he he's not he's not even right. There's no leg to stand on. You know, the and I, I won't go on forever because I can go on a lot longer, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep this somewhat short. The Joe Burrow reached such higher heights in his rookie season than Zach Wilson did, right? So for Zach Wilson to become like anything Joe Burrow was in the last half of that season would be almost a miracle because Joe Burrow was incredible down the stretch of this season. 
So I, I, don't, I just don't get what he's saying. And this Jets roster just isn't as good as the Bengals. So saying they could be the next best, like, like the next Bengals, doesn't make any sense to me. But I'll keep it at that. I'm sure Blake wants to hop in on this. So that's all I'm saying. I'm disappointed. CJ's wrong. And we're going to smack the Jets around. And it's all his fault. Far be it for me to slander Zach Wilson. I, I have loved Zach Wilson for a long time. I mean, he was my quarterback three in the draft the year that he came out. Uh, I, I really, really did enjoy his film. There was a lot I did like about him. But let's be real. It's not close. It never will be it's close. Not. His prime probably won't even match Burrow's lowest point. Let's be real. Um, you know, <laughs> Connor Hughes posted a couple of days ago that Zach Wilson went five for 11 in passing in team periods. Um, he was struggling throughout the entire camp so far. And it has even gone on record in saying Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, former Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Now, how old is he? 36. He's uh, out there. Is outperforming Zach Wilson. So I just think the irony is, is pretty funny. Now, I love CJ. I love Zach Wilson. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend like this is anything close to being a conversation at all, obviously. Um, it's, it's not. <laughs> it never will be. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that's that. Uh, I, I saw a tweet that said uh, Burrow's petty enough to just throw the ball to Hayden Hurst. 20 times that game let him have like 200 yards receiving and when they beat the jets uh that would be very entertaining i'd pay a lot of money to see that and it's a perfect segue to what i'm talking about next and that is the rise of hayden hurst who in my opinion is the better tight end so hayden hurst has been looking really really good in camp we saw a lot of really promise uh promising plays from him he's made a lot of really good plays in camp um, I think even the head coaches have, have, con- have gone on record and saying he's been one of the most impressive guys so far um Tyler Boyd even said that once he gets fully adjusted to this offense, he's going to explode and break out. I really think Hayden Hurst is the fit this team needed at tight end to replace CJ Uzama. He's going to be a really solid receiving threat. And like you said, they already had the blocking tight end in Drew Sample. I think Drew Sample can really offer the utility uh, for this for this offense. And Hayden Hurst can be that pure receiver type guy whenever they go out and empty sets. So I'm really high on Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to be an absolute baller this year. What are your expectations on Hayden Hurst right now after seeing all the positive uh, remarks have been kind of coming from free, uh, from training camp? I think numbers-wise, it's reasonable to keep expectations low because, again, you know, maybe mixing it's more involved in the receiving game for which you had the trio of receivers. So numbers-wise, to keep your expectations relatively low is probably what I'm going to take. However, I do think that, you know, we've heard all this talk about him in camp and him, you know, breaking out and such. And people need to realize Hayden Hurst was a second-round draft pick not too long ago. It's not like, oh, he was a sixth-round who kind of developed well in Atlanta and – they just kind of got rid of – the only reason he didn't resign is because the Falcons drafted a generational tight end. That's it, right? Hayden Hurst has always been a talented player. Before Kyle Pitts got there, he was putting up solid numbers in Atlanta. Statistically, again, I'm not going to say it slander CJ Billy play football because I don't need to do that. Um, but statistically, um, he put up a better season than CJ ever had, and that's not slander. That's just a factual numerical statement. Um, so – it's not like Hayden Hurst is going to be something, you know, just got on a one-year deal, we signed, probably won't get another job. Hayden Hurst has some talent to him. And, again, I'll, like Blake said, in terms of being a pure receiver, um, I think Hayden Hurst is, you know, obviously the best you have. He's the guy you signed, you brought in to start. Um, and we don't need much out of Hayden Hurst. But, you know, look at some stuff he had in Atlanta. He was really good at taking these five-yard gains and kind of making them 10-yard gains, 15 every now and then. We just need that. And someone – because Joe Burrow, we saw it time and time again last year. When he's throwing to the tight end, he's going to put the ball on the money in the spot it needs to be. As long as he can bring those down and convert and do something after the catch with it occasionally, that's perfectly fine. And that's what Hayden Hurst can do. So I think I agree with what you said a thousand percent. Hayden Hurst is exactly what this offense needs. And and he's going to be that. He's going to be a guy, you know, he takes the small stuff, makes it big, you know, make sure Joe Burrow's accuracy isn't wasted. And what more can you ask for of a tight end for one year deal? What more can you ask for? I, I totally agree, and I think though we, I think do lose a, a lot of leadership whenever Uzama, of course, went to the Jets. I, I do think Hayden Hurst kind of comes in and brings, um, you know, a, a new mentality. I think and a, and a new 
uh, sense of heart in his own way because uh, Hayden Hurst is more of the quiet guy, but we do know that he's been a, a very, very outspoken, uh, nice guy when it comes to mental health issues and all of that. I still think he's going to be a very, very good person in the locker room for this team. And I think there's already a couple of other established leaders that have already kind of popped up through training camp that we've kind of seen be talked about a little bit. And I think the most important guy that I want to talk about right now is Sam Hubbard, the defensive end, of course, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, and a guy that not only had a huge playoff run last year, but has also been, like I said, the guy that has gone in and has really uh, kind of been the vocal leader of the team. He has also been a very, very hyped up guy in this uh, in this training camp. He's done really, really well on one-on-ones. Um, and I think that, you know, the defensive line as a whole, which we'll talk about after this, I guess, but um, the defensive line as a whole has really been the biggest winners of training camp thus far. Really, really messing with the offensive line. And, and Hubbard has really kind of arose and have kind of become the overall leader of not only the defense, but maybe the team as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the, the the leadership role CJ played on this team, you know, as valuable as it was, it's not irreplaceable, right? And we have guys who on the defensive side of the ball and the defensive line, but there's also guys on offense. Like, I don't know how much I know. I, I'm not gonna say Burrow's not a leader because that's an incorrect statement. But at least to me, Burrow see you see more of a quiet, reserved kind of guy. Even the mic'd ups, you see he's not really you know cracking jokes a ton, but that doesn't really matter as being a leader. I think when Joe Burrow needs to get in the locker room and start standing up and start saying, hey, guys, we need to get together. We're going to get ran out, this, ran out of the field. He does it. But, I mean, there's so many young players on this team that are just begging, you know, for, to show themselves as a true leader. And, and guys will do that. Even a guy like Eli Apple, unironically, when he sits there and, you know, I'm not going to say he's you know, the guy that speaks in the locker room, but you know, when you sit there and you see him, you know, talk all this trash, and then he makes a big play and starts beating his chest around saying, yeah, you know, that does something to a team. That hypes him up a little bit. So I do think the the CJ leaving only opens up the door for other guys to start taking leadership roles. You know, if does anybody take, you know, a, a every single game thing of the locker room thing? Who knows? But there will be a lot of guys whose role in terms of leadership role starts to grow a little bit. And I'm excited for that see what it's going to be. To go along with uh, Sam Hubbard, who has been, uh, you know, recognized as one of the more impressive guys uh, on the defensive line so far, there's also been a lot of hype from edge rusher Trey Hendrickson, which I think we all expect at this point, right? I think he's really kind of secured himself as a top 10 edge rusher in the NFL right now. He's been absolutely balling out day in and day out, and I think he's really earned his position there. So no surprise there, but I think the one I'm most excited about, and I think the one that most Bengals fans should be excited about, is third-round pick Zach Carter at defensive tackle, who has been going through some really impressive reps in one-on-ones. Defensive line coach Marion Hobby sent him back for one more uh, and, and uh, said beat him again, uh, according to uh, the, the uh, athletics. So credit to them for, uh, for posting that. But Marion Hobby's been very, very vocal uh, on how happy and excited he is with Zach Carter. And uh, to go along with that, also third-round pick the previous year, Joseph Osai has continued to show uh, a lot of um, really good play as well. So I think both guys who I think you can consider both of them rookies right now. I have gotten a lot of hype behind them. Of course, we know how excited Bengals fans already are over Joseph Osai based off of his preseason the previous year. But Zach Carter as well, I got three tech, who I think is going to play a big key role in this offense year one because I think he's really the first guy off the bench behind B.J. Hill. So I think uh, two guys that are really young and, and are showing a lot of potential right now is very, very promising because I think on the defense – um, I, I think as a, as a whole, we should expect them to take another jump this year, especially in pass rush, because I think now they finally have a couple more guys and get to the quarterback consistently. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mentioned this last episode, I'll do it again. When you look at the playoff game against the Raiders last year, where guys started getting hurt and started dropping, and the same four guys had to play every snap in that last drive down the stretch, it gets exhausting. This year, that's not going to happen. The Bengals invested a lot into the defensive line. Of course, keeping B.J. Hill around, that's certainly an investment. Even though he returns that amount of money, front-loaded, that's an investment. And of course, like you mentioned, Joseph Asai, him back on the edge. That caused me the first guy in the middle off the bench, probably. And, and that's what this team needs. Osai last year, we know what he was. He was a highly touted prospect. Bengals on the third round, one of the better picks of the draft. And that's not just me being a Bengals fan. Multiple people have said that aren't Bengals fans. Take my word for it. Take, take whoever else's word for it. Um... Zach Carter, a guy who many Bengals fans really didn't hear the name a lot of before, you know, draft time, because he wasn't really floated around 
by many people has an idea of a, a Bengals, you know, draft pick, me included. I didn't really mention the name. Um, but Zach Carter, I mean, he, he plays everywhere. And again, if nothing else, he's another body, um, in out, you know, besides the two starters, DJ Reader and BJ Hill. And of course, I think, you know, back on next is Tyler Shelvin, of course, but Tyler Shelvin isn't really a good pass rushing kind of guy. And Zach Carter is probably the better pass rusher, you know, out of the backups on the interior, whether Josh Powell makes it, uh, Shelvin, whoever else makes it. Zach Carter is probably going to be the better of the uh, pass rushers on the interior. So having Zach Carter, having Joseph Osai, that's big. These are two guys who are third-round picks, day-two picks, good draft capital into them, coming back. Osai's coming back. That's a big deal. And to, for, for the Bengals to have that after the last defensive line already showed such improvement, it's only going to help them out more, which is something that money Bengals fans are pleased to hear, and I'm very excited for it. So let me ask you a quick question. I think it's going to be a, a pretty interesting one, and, and I think we, we might have different answers. Um, of course, last year, second place uh, in sacks was Sam Hubbard at seven and a half. Larry Ogunjobi, who is now a Pittsburgh Steeler, had seven. B.J. Yale had five and a half. After that, no one had any more than two. So let me ask you, Trey Hendrickson, I think, is probably the clear answer for, to be the number one pass rusher on this team. Who do you think on this roster will be second in sacks this upcoming season? Like I said, Sam Hubbard last year at seven and a half. A very, very good season from Sam Hubbard. Do you think he can do that again? Or do you think a guy like Joseph Osai, maybe B.J. Hill, since now he's getting full-time snaps, or maybe even a guy such as that Carter who's going to get a lot of snaps this year, who do you think could be the second-place guy in terms of sacks this year at pass rush? You know what? As you were asking that question, my brain immediately went to uh, B.J. Hill, right? Because, you know, then my brain went, well, you know, Sam Hubbard had a good year last year. He built off it. And now I'm not too very sure between the two. I think I'm – Going to, I'm gonna say Sam Hubbard because ah, am I gonna say Sam Hubbard? Um, you know, I'll go. Ah, man, this is. You know what? I'll go. I'll go Sam Hubbard. I I think while um yes, I think BJ Hill's gonna get more snaps now that Larry Joby's not there. I also think Zach Carter is you know him being known again as the best pass rusher off the bench in terms of the guys in the middle. I think that will take away a few snaps from B.J. Hill more than usual. Now, again, I'm not saying he'll take away, you know, he'll be, like, substantially take away snaps from B.J. Hill unless he has an insane rookie year. Because B.J. Hill, we saw last year, very fantastic player, like you mentioned last year, uh, third on team in sacks. Um, so, you know, I, I think he still plays a lot, and I really wouldn't be surprised if it's B.J. Hill. You know, we've seen how much I've kind of gone back and forth about it. And as I'm talking out, I'm still going back and forth. But – I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sam Hubbard. I think Hubbard showed last year that he can be one just a great run stopper. I think he builds off that this year. Um, I I think I will say though I think on a lot of third downs you'll probably see Osai Anderson on the field at the same time, which is double edged sword. It could also eat into Sam Hubbard. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with Sam Hubbard repeat for this year. I think maybe next year you start to see a you know a guy like Joseph Osai maybe his role grows a little bit. But that's who's out of line, and that's not even gonna be bothered predicting it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of safe. And go Sam Hubbard. I think the most exciting part, part for me in terms of the defensive line is I can see six guys getting five or more sacks this season. I, I legitimately can. I think obviously Hendrickson, Hubbard, and B.J. Hill have shown that they can already do that. I think there's a very good chance Cameron Sample is a guy that can get up there. He can get a lot of sacks. I think Joseph Osai can and will get a lot of more sacks. And I think Zach Carter can as well. Who I think gets the second most sacks, though, I'm going to go a little bold. Uh, I like being bold right now, and I'm going to book it. Joseph Osai is second on this team in sacks. I'm going to say he gets nine this year. Mm. I am so high on Joseph Osai. You know my love for him. I've talked about him for so long. I am such a big fan. I I had a first-round grade on him through Texas. A very, very effective pass rusher. Former linebacker turned edge rusher, I think, um, and, and, and really was able to put on a lot of weight and I think get a lot stronger on the line. What I saw from him, through college just has me just so confident that he's going to be an absolute tear in the NFL. I think he's going to get a lot of sacks this year. And even though I'm very high on Sam Hubbard, I think BJ Hill's going to have a good season. I'm going to go bold and I'm going to say Joseph Osai comes in and has an insane, I would consider rookie season uh, for an edge rusher. So I'm really excited about this entire defensive line. I think they're all really good. And on top of all these young guys, I think there's also a lot of guys on the secondary that I'm very excited about as well, particularly Daxton Hill, which I think we should start this conversation about. Daxton Hill has gotten a lot of praise as well, um, playing quite a bit on the first team actually right now. It's a starting free safety for the team. Um, A video just went viral this past day. 
as of recording this, I believe it's it's Thursday. Uh, um, you know, him actually uh, shutting down Jamar Chase on a, a slant route. So I think it's a lot of fun to talk about and, and look at. Um, he's looked really good, but obviously this kind of entire Daxon Hill talk goes back to around one guy and one guy only, and that's Jesse Bates, um, who we still have not seen or heard from yet. Um, obviously, Cincinnati Bengals did not give him a contract. They have not agreed to a contract. It's not even close. Um, do you think Daxon Hill is going to uh, go out there and um, – well, let, let me ask a different question. Let, let me ask, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Daxon Hill's performances so far in training camp? And do you think he is capable of taking over free safety duties if Jesse Bates decides to hold out even longer this season? So I answer your question. It's now a segment kind of a bigger point in general about the Bengals drafting. I want your thoughts on. But to answer the question, you know, Daxon Hill – we need him to produce, right? Even if Jesse Bates was healthy, or I guess not not healthy, but holding out, my mistake. Um, if he wasn't holding out, um, you know, Daxon Hill's a guy who plays all over the field. So even if you don't need Daxon Hill to play all over the field, it's going to end up happening. We saw last year how Lou moved guys around a lot in second half games, really against the Chiefs, confused Mahomes a lot. Um, and there's no reason Lou wouldn't do that again with a guy like Daxon Hill. Again, we've seen him play all over the field. Um, Daxon Hill is a defensive coordinator's dream. Six foot, almost 200 pounds. He's got good size on tight ends. He's got good speed, versatile, good technique almost everywhere he goes. I mean, we, we know what Daxon Hill is. Do I think he's capable of taking on free safety? I do. I really think that Daxon Hill, again, he's such he's such a great player because, you know, you see fast safeties that are kind of undersized, maybe close to the 5'10 kind of-ish frame. Daxon Hill is six foot, and he's – He's a, he's a big max shy 200 pounds, which is really good size for a safety. Um, I, I do want to, you know, we talk about Daxon Hill a lot. I do want to say in general, I want Bengals fans to understand something when it comes to the safety market. So Von Bell is a free agent this offseason, this upcoming one, obviously. Because um, who knows what Daxon Hill happens. Maybe Daxon Hill becomes a pro bowler and he starts holding out two in four or five years. Who knows what happens? But I think the whole reason we got Daxon Hill is because there's a – a thing going around, an idea going around that safeties are, I'm not say replaceable, but not very valuable. You know, I just, I just, I think that statement's such an outdated opinion. I think that that idea is formed off the old NFL where, you know, it was a lot more run heavy. Now, you know, me, Blake, and a friend of ours had a conversation a few days ago. And it, I mean, if you run the ball 50% of the time, you're not balanced. You're run heavy in today's NFL, right? And, just, I mean, sure, I'm not I'm not going to act like, you know, teams only start really passing the ball, you know, in 2006 or whatever. Because even back in, you know, 80s games, you know, even the 49ers of the 80s, they passed the ball a lot. So, you know, it's not like we're just now seeing teams, you know, pass the ball a lot. But top to bottom league in general was so much more pass heavy to where safeties are such a big deal. And even beyond that, and I know I'm getting kind of off topic, but I promise I'll circle it all back into Bengals and Dax and they'll just bear with me. There's so many teams now. We see they have two good receivers, or even like like team like the Bengals, or I guess even the Buccaneers before you even signed Julio Jones. Russell Gage is a fine receiver. A team in Tampa or the Cowboys last year before they let go of uh, Amari Cooper. Teams are having so many good receivers, or receivers in general, just getting so much more talented. E- even the Vikings with uh, Jefferson, Thielen, and KJ Osborne. So many teams have good trios. And you can look around the league and find a fair amount of teams with a good cornerback one on the outside and a good slot corner, but not very many teams have two good outside corners and a good slot corner. That's very hard to find. So, you, you know, you have these, you know, borderline Pro Bowl receivers like Chris Godwin, Tiggins against cornerback too. Safety help is crucial. It is important. In today's NFL, where you can put them all over the field, you need good safeties. Safeties are important. And now, like the Bengals, the Bengals knew at the time what we didn't know now. Or what we do know now. They knew Jesse Bates was won a lot of money, and they weren't going to give it to him, and that he was going to hold out. And the Bengals know that, and they could have just said, oh, we'll get a guy, you know, for about $3 million this year, or we'll wait to the second, third round to find a safety. But they chose to invest heavy draft capital into a safety because they know the safety is important. So what I'm saying, Bengals fans, is if Daxon ever holds out, when Von Bell, we still talking about this Von Bell free agency next season, Safeties are important. Do not act like they aren't. Do not act like they're not running backs. Okay, you can't be products of your, you know, your secondary, your, your corners, and be a good safety. You, you know, you know, running backs. You could be and have a good O line, and be good. You can't do that with safeties. So I, I got, I got a little off topic, but praise the Bengals for what they did. Whether Bates is back or not, 
the Bengals realized how important city position was to this team, and they went for it. So credit to the Bengals. Dak Smith is going to be a fantastic player. I'm very excited for it. But when you know, when we're talking about safeties in the future, I think we need to reconsider how important safeties are to modern day football. I think I'm willing to say pretty confidently that I would be shocked if Jesse Bates was wearing a Bengals uniform next season. But I think mm-hmm. the part I love the most about the Daxon Hill pick is there is a world where he could still play and Jesse Bates can be re-signed. I think that's what I love about this so much. Daxon Hill is a very, very versatile uh, safety. He could play cornerback. He could play he could play in the box, honestly. He's, he's big enough, obviously. You, you said he was 200, almost 200 pounds. I mean, that's a, that's a big guy. He can definitely play in the box if need be. Very, very rangy. Um, it can play on, in man-to-man. He can play on the outside corner even. It can also be a free safety, strong safety. He can play anywhere on this defense. And I think that's what the Bengals love about this guy and love about a lot of other guys on this roster is the versatility that he has. So I, I think overall, you know, looking back on the Daxon Hill pick, I think it made a lot of sense in hindsight to have this now, knowing dissipate situation and knowing that this team is now looking to be more of a versatile unpredictable defense i think this is what lou interim always envisioned with the cincinnati defense is having so many guys that can go out there and switch and play different positions the Bengals are now in a position where they can play matchups they can play whoever they want on whenever on whoever they want whenever they want you know what i mean Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you know you're going to have Cheeto on the outside. You're going to have Eli Apple on the outside. You're going to have Daxton Hill playing sometimes on the outside. You can even have guys like Tyson Anderson come in and play. You can have guys such as Trey Flowers. You can be covering tight ends quite a bit. There's going to be a lot of different corners and safeties out there. They're going to be playing different positions at different times and keeping everyone on their toes. And I think, and most importantly, making sure none of these guys are gassed. So I think we're going to see, I would hopefully, I think we're going to see a lot less um, over-the-top plays this upcoming season, I think. And if they're able to do that successfully, that's going to be huge for this team. Um, because Jesse Bates did struggle a little bit last year in, in allowing some of those plays. But I think as time went on and we saw him in the playoffs, obviously those kind of ideas, um, I think, kind of changed. And he, he became a lot better and, and a lot more ready. And I think if the Bengals are able to have more of those guys go out there and play kind of that similar way, that's going to play a huge key factor in the defense this upcoming season. So I really think this is – the pick makes a lot of sense, and I think it makes um, even more sense knowing the just about situation now, why Daxon will be here and be a key member of this team. And taking first-team snaps and locking down Jamar Chase for a play, that's exciting. That's what we really, really need, I think, for the next level. And to see Daxon Hill doing that right now is good. So a lot of good things about Daxon Hill. Maybe not so much um, – for the other uh, second round pick or for the other pick for the Bengals second round pick came Taylor Britt, uh, who is kind of getting beat out right now by someone uh, currently for this cornerback spot. So as I mentioned before, Eli Apple and Trey Flowers both are injured and have not been practicing lately. Um, but uh, that can Taylor Britt is not the first cornerback off the bench. We are seeing undrafted free agent Vanderbilt corner. Shout out Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt football cornerback. Alan George has came in on playing first-team snaps in place of Eli Apple, who is out for injury. So not only is Cam Taylor-Brett not performing with the first team, he's getting beat out by an injected free agent right now. I ask you, is this a panic moment? Are you a little worried about this? Or do you think this means uh, – do you think this is okay? Do you think this is something that's just the Bengals you know, giving credit to a guy that's been performing well or if they're just trying to see what they have in another player? What are your thoughts on this situation? I, I think we all need to calm down with any idea this is anything to even relatively worry about. Um, and I, I say that for a few reasons. You know, first of all, I, I think even in training camp, you know, trying, intentionally pushing your second round pick down because of lack of performance probably isn't good for his confidence. That's probably something you'd like to avoid. Um, but in the first two days, two or three days of camp, we heard that Cam Taylor Britt was one of the standout guys on the defense side of the ball. You know, incredible interceptions. Um, and running the first team occasionally when he Apple took a break and he held his own. I, I don't think there's anything to really worry about. I, I think what this is is – I'm not going to say the Bengals saw that he now came Taylor Britt because he's a rookie in his camp. That's kind of an egregious statement. But I, I think this is more of the Bengals. They saw out of Cam Taylor Britt what they think he could be in the first-team offense immediately. And they don't trust him outside to see what sticks. I think Cam Taylor Britt, you know, we've heard that he's been great out of camp and all that. And I think it's just the Bengals, you know, putting somebody else in there, they, they you know – People really don't know about, but they seem very high on, you know, he's been well against, you know, backups and all that. So I want to see what gets the first team. I just think this is the Bengals trying something new, seeing how much it works. I don't think it's anything to worry about Cam Taylor Britt. I think Cam Taylor Britt's going to be fine. 
I think you'll see him do very well in preseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not concerned about this. I think this is just the Bengals trying something new. I think, you know, I'm quite excited about this in a way because I really don't think this is as much of a testament to the quote-unquote, you know, fact that Cam Taylor Britt is losing the position. I think it's more or less just there's a guy that's been balling out in camp and Alan George is going to be um, giving a chance, right? And I love that the Bengals are giving chances to guys who are undrafted free agents. Maybe no one really, I don't think anyone really expected Alan George to be able to get this chance, obviously. And I think that it's very, very good that he does because, hey, who knows? If Alan George balls out and gets the first team, maybe you have an extra cornerback you can bring on this roster. So I really think the idea of him getting his chance, you know, we saw with Damian Willis several years ago. He got a chance with the first team quite a bit, um, even started in week one that year. So this is a much better, different Bengals team. But, hey, if Alan George is performing well, he needs to be rewarded. So I am very excited about that. And I also did hear that um, Luana Rumo did tell, uh, you know, guys just not to worry. This isn't, uh, this isn't anything about Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, I, I think this is really just a testament to them wanting to see what they have in a guy like Alan George, which I think can only mean good things. Because if, if, they're play- if he's playing at the first team, he's getting a chance to go against these great receivers that we know about. And if he does well – Imagine how he's going to do in the regular season. He can, he can be even better. So I, I think this is a good sign, if anything, um, you know, for, for the Bengals. And I, I really do think that almost everything that we've heard so far from training camp has been relatively good signs. Um, like I said, I'm not at all worried about Cam Taylor. But I think the only thing that we can really argue to be worried about right now as we kind of transition to one more point uh, is the offensive line. Uh, because I, we've heard a lot of uh, a lot of problems on the offensive line lately. It's come to pre-snap penalties. A couple of sacks have been allowed. I mentioned the defensive line has been balling out. So obviously this means the offensive line isn't doing too hot. Um, you know, Jonah Williams has looked really good according to all reports, but no Lyle Collins out there. Alex Kappa just came back to practice. We're seeing a lot of backups playing. Isaiah Prince, Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras uh, have really kind of made up the starters on the line right now, um, and it does not look too hot. Losing a lot of one-on-ones. I know particularly Deontay Smith and Isaiah Prince have been struggling the most. Uh, is this a concerning point? I know both of those guys are, are developmental pieces, but you know this is an offensive line that was hopefully revamped and two of the star free agents are already injured a little bit and now all these backups are still struggling you know the, the Bengals are hopefully going to get a new offensive line and help protect Joe Burrow but is there any concern right now to you know to see how poorly they're currently performing in terms of all, all, all of training camp so far I think I will say I think sitting out especially more Collins than anybody else it's more of a cautionary thing we know what we have we know he's going to be a starter no need to try to risk him I think if it was, it was like Super Bowl something. I think Collins would play. I think he could play. I don't know that for sure. I'm not a doctor, but I, I, that's what I'm, I'm going to be pretty certain on that. I think it's more of a cautionary thing, which is not moved by the Bengals and Collins as well. With O-lines in particular, more than any other position group, they need time to gel, right? So when, you know, not only has this line, this assortment of football players, these five, not played together a bunch, you also have, like you said, two guys that are going to start you know, not playing. So I, I think when you're putting up guys that haven't played together and two of them are backups as it is, you're going to get this result. Um, this could just me playing out to be optimistic, but I truly think that when this team forms, you know, when this O-line assembles and it's the five starters, the five healthy starters, not a team that has three stars and two backups and they actually get some reps together, they start to mesh. I think we'll see a much, a much improved O-line from last season. Um, so, I think, obviously, you take into account because, again, you know, if somebody goes down, guys like Prince and Smith is who you're going to play, so you want to see them do well, um, and I get that. But overall, I'm not too concerned. I think my bigger concern than what's happening in camp would be, you know, if guys like Collins don't get healthy soon, you know, does that, you know, you know, does the lack of reps start to affect them in, you know, the first few weeks of the regular season? I think that's more concerned about anything else. I think – Reps weren't online. Like I said, they need time to mesh. It's very important. So my biggest concern is that these five, you know, that we project to be stars in week one, need to get on the field together and have reps that way. But I don't, I don't think, you know, in camp getting cooked and two of your guys are backups, I don't think anything to be concerned about. I think my big concern is getting guys back on the field who we going to get those reps because they need reps. I think the biggest question I have now, at least on the offensive line, is, you know, 
I think we are being shown that injuries could be a problem for this. I'm not going to jump to conclusions yet because the season hasn't even started. But I do think that could be a problem with injuries. We know Lyle Collins had a long history of injuries throughout his career. Um, I, I'm not too sure if Alex Kappa's had as much of a long injury, but I do know he's had a couple in the past. Nothing too major to my knowledge. Um, but do you do you think who do you think is going to be the the first guy that comes off the bench? Who do you think is going to be the guy they rely on? Because I think a lot of people were hoping maybe Cordell Volson, the rookie, could step in and be that guy immediately day one. Everything we've seen has suggested that he is kind of been whiffing on a lot of blocks he's made a couple of pre-snap penalties it's clear to me that he is still a very very raw prospect as is Deontay Smith the offensive tackle from East, um, Eastern Carolina um, a couple of weeks uh, a couple two years back from the draft so I, I really do question who is the next guy off the bench who is the most reliable bench guy do you think the Cincinnati Bengals need to look to sign someone else or do you think there's already a guy on the roster maybe it can be Deniji maybe Isaiah Prince who do you think's that guy well I think you know, if the Bengals don't go about signing somebody, I feel like I almost had to say Deontay Smith because, you know, maybe Smith isn't, you know, an ideal six-man off the bench. But, of course, this is just my opinion. If I disagrees, then their answer is completely different. But I think looking past, you know, the starting five, you know, Collins, Kappa, Karras, um, Carmen, and Jonah Williams, I think Deontay Smith's really the, the sixth best player on that on that bench. And, of course, Granted, you know, who's the quote-unquote next out depends on, you know, who would go down what position. But if we're talking about who's the best offensive lineman, you know, besides those five starters, I think it's Deontay Smith. I think he got a good buzz last year out of camp, although, like you said, this year hasn't been anything, you know, particularly special. Um, now, I will say there is a guy who I think we should bring up from, from free agency, and he's familiar to Bengals fans. Remember that, remember that Quentin Spain fella who was probably the best lineman on last year's offensive line? He's still a free agent. He's still on sign. Um, 67 is not available, his number, but I'm sure we can we can work around that. If he wants to wear, like, 76 isn't available either. But if he wants to wear something else, I'll give him that number. 68 is also not available, but, you know, if, if he wants something else, we can give him a different number. Or Bolson can switch for all I care. I, you know, Quentin Spain, it would be perfect. And honestly, I think the only reason he's not on the team is the Bengals know that he's probably right now Although Carmen has a higher ceiling, he's probably better than Carmen this exact second. And they really want to start Jackson Carmen to develop him. And I get that, right? I understand. But I don't know. Just me personally, this team just made a Super Bowl. I'm not too worried about developing offensive linemen. I want the guys that can protect my quarterback the best this exact second. I think that's Quentin Spain. So I'm not going to say I don't understand why we haven't signed him because I do understand they want to develop Carmen. But I don't know. I feel like we have a window like this just in the Super Bowl. You should probably sign the guys who right now are going to be the best at defending your quarterback. So to answer your question, I think Deontay Smith's probably the best guy on the roster right now off the bench, but I think they should go be signed Quentin Spain. I think that – I'm not going to say it's a must, but it's something that they should definitely have another look at. I totally agree. And, and on all accounts, I love this roster the Bengals currently have. I love almost everyone on this roster. There's not too many guys I look at and like, oh, this guy's not good, right? I, don't, I really don't believe that for any of these guys on the roster. I think everyone has potential in their own right. But I definitely do think there are a couple positions where the Bengals could add extra free agents. Just like you said, Quentin Spain, I would love Quentin Spain to be a Bengal again. I definitely think he slots in immediately, can be a starting guard for you, or can be the first guy off the bench and you know fill in. Remember, he played tackle two years back against Tennessee Titans and performed really well. So maybe he could be the first guy off the bench in anywhere you put him. Um, so I really think that would be uh, a very good signing. But I do think, I, and I, I kind of hinted at this last podcast talking about other roster battles. Um, I think there's a very good chance, and a lot of people have been asking me um, if the Bengals are who the Bengals are going to go after at wide receiver four. Do they do you think they trade Jesse Bates for a guy like that? Do you think they sign someone? I think that's the most important conversation right now. We've also heard a little bit of hints towards maybe signing another three tech, but right now I, I think I want to ask, aside from Quentin Spain, um, especially at wide receiver, who is a guy that you think could be a, a good potential signing? Because like I said, a lot of people have been asking me, I, I posted a question on my poll on Instagram and I get so many questions asking, should the Bengals trade Jesse Bates for Jalen Rieger in a pick? Should the Bengals go out and sign T.Y. Hilton? Should the Bengals wait to see if someone gets cut and sign them? Where do you think the Bengals go uh, in terms of the offseason and, and looking to sign? I, I, I personally think the Bengals aren't done yet. Do you think the Bengals going to go out and find another guy, maybe a wide receiver, maybe a three-tech, maybe an offensive guard, um, you know, at the end of the season, at the end of training camp, and once they're able to have roster cuts. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it mangles it on. You know, I think all offseason this has been a, you know, thing with like, you know, ever since Auden Tate went to Atlanta, it's, you know, who is the receiver before now? I mean, I'm sure while most people think it's Stanley Morgan, I and sure it definitely can be Stanley Morgan. I think the Bengals have a wider idea to address that other than just adding two undrafted free agents, right? Um, but like Blake has been saying, you know, he said it uh, multiple times on his Instagram. Uh, go follow it. Um, uh, last podcast, he said, you know, the Bengals will probably wait until, you know, these cuts happen and get a wider range of guys available. But I'd be lying to you, and I think that's what they're going to do for the record. But I would be lying to you if I said that's what I want them to do. Will Fuller. Former Texan, last year was in Miami, got suspended for most of the season. He's right there. And I know the big thing with Fuller is his, his, his injury history and all that. But look, the thing with Fuller, he's going to be our receiver four. He's not getting a ton of snaps. And less snaps is less work on the body. Less snaps is less of a, you know, less plays to get injured on. And less snaps, he's not as important to our offense. So look at Houston, where most of the time, you know, after DeAndre Hopkins left, he was their receiver one. And if he was using Texan this season, he'd be their receiver two, very quickly approaching on Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller is a very good wide receiver. You know, every, every now, I mean, he he's streaky. You know, there, he goes through strategy where he doesn't really do much. But we don't need him to do much. He's a guy who has the burners. He's He's been around the league a long time. He's matched up with cornerback ones. He's battle-tested. Will Fuller just, it just seems almost like, it's almost too perfect. Like, it just seems like an absolutely perfect fit for this team to get Will Fuller. So, I don't think they're going to answer your question. I agree with you. I think they probably wait to see all these cuts and see what happens with all these guys. But, man, I want Will Fuller on this, on this football team. I think he would do dividends to this Bengals offense. So, this was a topic that I really didn't go into this thinking about talking about uh, up until I got all these questions, obviously, in my Instagram poll, because I, I think everyone is interested in this development um, in, in the receiver core. And obviously, they had the top three guys. They had the utility guy in Stanley Morgan Jr. The biggest question is, who's that next guy off the bench that can give you a, a enough reliable receiving targets? I've heard some hype about Kendrick Pryor. I've heard some hype about Kwame Lassiter. Are those guys going to give you important snaps in the regular season? I don't think you want to rely on that. So uh, I do agree with you. I, I do think they go elsewhere and find someone. I'm not as big of a Will Fuller fan as you. I think we kind of established that in the past. I, I really am hoping for the idea of a guy like Jalen Rieger falling to the Bengals' laps. I love that idea. I, if the Eagles want to trade for Jesse Bates, I would ask for Jalen Rieger in a second-round pick or Jalen Rieger in a third-round pick uh, or, or Jalen Rieger a third and a fifth or something like that. And I, and I would let the Eagles accept that trade because it already looks like Jalen Rieger might be getting cut from the Eagles already. And I think that he could be an ideal fit for the Cincinnati roster. He gives you a, a very, very good, speedy, deep threat. A guy that can win after the catch, which I think the Bengals really need. Because uh, aside from Jamar Chase, they don't have too many yak receivers on this roster. I think that he can be a very fun utility guy for this team. And in my opinion, Rieger still has a lot of potential. It shocks me the Eagles are so ready to already cut him after just three seasons. Or really two seasons, I guess. And I really think that his ceiling could still be really high in the NFL if he's able to uh, develop a little bit more. I, I, I hate that he's getting this kind of John Ross almost treatment as what we gave John Ross before. I was still a big believer of John Ross for a long time. I'm going to say the same with Jalen Rieger right now. I was big on him in the draft. You know that. I, was, I had a first-round grade on Jalen Rieger. I still think he's going to be a guy that could really be a good fit for this roster and a good potential uh, player. So if the Eagles cut him, I think the Bengals should be first up there to sign i've heard that it's certainly a possibility that if rieger is uh is dropped that they do go after him so a little bit of buzz there but i I do also think that maybe if you trade jesse bates hey rieger could be one of those guys that you can go after um so i I, i'm really looking at jalen rieger i think he can be a really fun addition to the squad um that's the guy i want to see the Bengals get most on the outside i think right now but aside from that i think this roster is ready and built to win now and i think this is going to be a really really fun season and we're going to see a a lot of uh, a lot of these players get their chance to ball out in preseason next week against the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, I think we're going to do one more podcast before then to kind of pre preview that a little bit. Maybe talk a little bit more about training camp and talk about uh, that upcoming game against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
but until then, we have, I think, one more thing I want to talk about before we, uh, we go, uh, and that is the, uh, the letter that Dave Lapham wrote to the Hall of Fame asking for Ken Anderson to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, are, you know, are, are you a big Ken Anderson guy? Do you want him in the Hall of Fame? I know we all want Willie Anderson there, too, but Lapham seems awfully convinced that Ken Anderson deserves to be that next guy in the Hall of Fame. I want you to give, give me your pitch for Ken Anderson in the Hall of Fame, even though you've never watched him in your life. Okay, so let's talk Ken Anderson here, right? Ken Anderson, there are multiple quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame who off-rip have never won an MVP, right? That's it of itself. I'm not going to name names on who shouldn't have been in the Hall of Fame. You know, matter of fact, I am going to name names. The fact that Joe Namath is a Hall of Famer is absurd to me. I understand when you fall off that upset, it was big for the NFL as a league, but the he is not good. He was not good. He had a negative touchdown interception ratio. He was not good. And the fact that he is in the Hall of Fame and someone who not only won an MVP, but took a franchise like the Bengals to their first Super Bowl is not in the Hall of Fame is insane to me. And there are more quarterbacks than just Joe Namath, but I'm going to stop at Joe Namath because that's the most wide-known one. Um, but let Ken – I'm not even going to get started on other Bengals that should be in because I, I can go on for a, a hot minute. I'll stick with Ken Anderson for now because that was the question. Ken Anderson should be in because there are multiple quarterbacks who – Everybody knows, not just me, not just Blake, not just you listening. People who vote for the Hall of Fame know are not better than Ken Anderson. Um, I'm sure Dave Lapham, he's a fantastic fella. So I'm sure he wrote a a kinder letter and a kinder tone to the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to do that. I don't announce for anybody. I don't have any reputation to hold up. I'm just going to say it. It's absurd. And, you know, I mean, you know. Tony Baselli got in the Hall of Fame. I mean, why do the Jaguars have as many Hall of Fame as the Bengals? We've been in three Super Bowls. We've got a guy who's top 10 interceptions of all time. We have Willie Anderson, and the Jaguars have as many Pro Bowls. I mean, Hall of Famers. <laughs> Ken Anderson can't get in? Come on. It's ridiculous. But my whole plea is that there are quarterbacks who we all know are worse than Ken Anderson in the Hall of Fame. Ken Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Uh, totally agree. Well said. I'm glad you said it because, uh, you know, I, I, you, you, you put it in more of a way that includes your heart. You know, you, 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 get, you put more heart into I'm, the conversation. I'm, I'm heart into and and I'm, I like I'm that. That's why we like you on this podcast. You give, you give heart. That, I'm, you're the I'm heart. The heart and the passion. You're, yeah, you're the heart of this podcast. And I, and I like that. I think that's what makes this podcast amazing. So uh, make sure you follow both of our socials. The heart of this podcast, William James, is at Huday underscore all day on Instagram and at William C. James 23 on Twitter. For myself, uh, I'm at Stripe Hype Cincy on Instagram, at Blake Jude 714 on Twitter. Uh, and make sure that if you are a Bengals fan, to give hell to all the Hall of Fame uh, people and make sure we get Hilly yeah, Anderson and Ken Anderson both in the Hall of Fame. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I appreciate that thing. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate also, all. At, um, real quick before you leave, it's currently 1246 for 46 minutes. It's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. But yeah, that's all I have to say. You can, you can continue with your outro. Yes. Happy birthday, of course, to Will's mother. Uh, And uh, again, we thank you guys all for tuning in and giving us uh, support. Make sure you rate us, subscribe, uh, share to anyone else. It means a lot. And as always, we thank you uh, for, for listening to the Stripe Pipe All Day Podcast.